Welcome to The Gathering Pod, the audio version of my weekly gathering room broadcast. I'm Martha Beck. I get up this morning, as I do every morning. I wake up, sort of gray light coming through the closed curtains, and I think, all right, here we go again. I sit up on the bed. I look out, I pull up the curtain, I look out the window, and I think, how many days of like plague have we lived through now? What exactly are we going to do today that is pretty much the way we've been running our lives um, since everything changed so long ago? Like a year ago last March, I was talking to some friends in South Africa today and it's the same thing. Like we just keep on keeping on. Will we ever see each other again? We don't know in the flesh. We don't know. We certainly hope so, but nothing feels certain. And the conditions under which we're living are tiring people out. Like all over the globe, people still run this risk of getting sick, but it's so wearisome to keep guarding against it that people are getting something that I've heard called COVID fatigue. And it's not just COVID, you guys. It's also just the the everydayness of a human life can get very, very daunting. It's the everydayness sometimes that gets to you. I love that that meme that I've seen several places online that says that courage doesn't always roar. Sometimes it the, it's the quiet voice at the end of the day saying, I will try again tomorrow. And I think not only at the end of the day, but at the beginning of the day, we have to say, I'm in it again. You know, I'm going to get up. I'm going to try my best to be a a good person. I'm going to try to be a happy person. I'm going to try to connect with people in a nourishing way. I'm going to take care of the creatures, the animals and, and people that depend on me. And I'm not going to let anybody down. And most, like so many people get up, they go to the same job, even though it's tiring and it's maybe even dangerous now, the healthcare workers getting up and going to do things, the grocery store stalkers getting up. I said stalkers, I meant stalkers, they stalk things. Getting up and going to the same old, same old. Now, you know I'm not a big fan of the modern job anyway, but I do really respect anybody who's doing that. And I respect anybody who's just keeping body and soul together under the current conditions and not losing their minds. So I thought today, this is real. Our friends in South Africa said, we're just keeping on, keeping on. And I thought, this is what we all have to do. And how do you re-energize yourself to keep on keeping on with no particular end in sight after many, many days of, of persistence have already piled up, but you don't know where you're going or when it's going to end? And I thought, actually, this is one of my specialties. <laughs> As somebody who had a lot of autoimmune issues and a lot of chronic pain all over my body, I was forced to keep on keeping on under difficult circumstances um, pretty early in my life. Not as difficult as a lot of you out there, but I was really sick. I had all the little kids. I hope I haven't told you the story more times than you can bear, but keep on keeping on if I have. Um, You know, getting up to take care of the kids, to take care of the dog, to take care of my own body and do a little bit more work toward whatever goal I had set for myself. So I thought, oh, all right, today I'm going to I'm going to re 
saturate myself with my methods for keeping on keeping on and then I'm going to tell the people in the gathering room about it so maybe it will help them too. So I have three contradictory sounding instructions. Three instructions that at least contradict what I mostly hear within my own cultural context. context. And I like them because I love to go against the cultural context. So the first thing is don't focus on your goals. Do not. Now, I read growing up a whole bunch of books, you know, when I was reading self-help books to try to get myself to keep on keeping on. And they were all like, imagine a goal. Imagine the perfect, you're going to get a yacht. You're going to get a fancy car and a yacht. And you're going to have the, the world's greatest love affair on the fancy yacht. And, you, and just focus on that every day. And I had a lot of goals. I was going to, you know, try to, and a lot of those goals have come true. I was going to try to be a writer, get a book published, um, you know, be on the bestseller list, whatever, travel, meet people. But here's the thing that I set those goals 10, 15 years before they ever even started to come true. And if I wanted to keep on keeping on and I was focused on that goal, I was so far from it. I, I could barely type because my hands hurt so much. It was physically excruciating to type for 15 minutes a day and I wanted to be a writer. Uh, I tried dictation. It was not my cup of tea. It's very different. So what I realized is that I had to keep my, take my focus off the ultimate goal and be where I was, be completely in whatever little piece of stuff I had in front of me. I started doing this even younger when I was running marathon distances. I was training for marathons and I would run, you know, 10, 12, sometimes even 20 miles at a time um, in training. And I realized that if I set out for a 20 mile run and I ran 10 miles away from home and then 10 miles back, when I turned around to go back home, it was almost unbearable because I was picturing being home and maybe I was cold and tired or my foot hurt or something and I would think I would just want to be home with a bowl of soup like in bed and I realized I could not keep up my pace if I focused on the goal. So I would actually physically turn my head to the side and I wouldn't, I'd look kind of ahead of me but I'd also look at what I was passing at that very moment. And I would try to find something in every moment. I'd look from one side, left to right. And I would try to find something interesting to look at. Something that was picturesque or something that I could tell someone about. Or something that I just enjoyed looking at. And I would focus on that. And then I'd glance forward and I'd focus on that. And later when I had bigger life goals, I learned to focus on the goal in that glancing way. Like don't, yes, focus on it. I teach people. Now I coach people. I teach coaches to coach people to focus on their goals for a little while, to create them, to build them, to make sure they're really true to your heart. But after that, what is going to be your best friend? There's a, there's a, I think it's a Sanskrit word, Satchitananda, which means the bliss of the suchness of this moment. What is this moment right now? Can you go into the discovery of what is blissful in this moment? And usually I can find something, even if I'm grieving, even if I'm depressed, even if I'm in pain, I could find something beautiful in this moment. So this turns you into a kind of student of beauty. And I remember the, the way I got through many days 
was to work a little bit on my goal and then focus on something like a song that expressed what I was feeling musically and lyrically. And I, I would find songs and play them over and over. And I learned to play the piano so that I could be completely saturated in something that moved me and that, that I thought was beautiful. I loved to paint and draw, but I couldn't during those years because my hands didn't work. But I found art to look at in books because it wasn't online yet. And I would saturate myself in the beauty of those books, or maybe I'd get to go to an art gallery sometimes. And I would, um, I just drink in the visual beauty of something someone had created or anything in nature. I could find the smallest thing in nature and be entranced by it if I really focused on Satchitananda instead of my overall goals. And what that did is it gave me the fuel that I then brought to my writing, which I think is why I ended up getting published in the first place. And it fed everything I wanted because I wasn't focused on it. I wasn't obsessed with success. I was obsessed with Satchitananda. So that's the first thing. Don't stay focused on your goal. The second thing is don't try very hard. This is again, not what people will tell you. Note the word very hard. If you're trying very hard, you cannot keep on keeping on. It's just too stressful. Try a little bit, a little bit. Remember my two mascots that are sitting here always, 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 my little turtle who stands for never hurry. That's the Goethe quote, never hurry. And my little Ganesha who stands for never cease, the remover of obstacles and the taker of little steps. Never hurry, never cease. So instead of trying very hard, I take little steps and I never hurry, but I never, <laughs> never freaking cease. Just kind of me, 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 me. And if that's how you're moving, and if you're focused on the bliss of the moment, you can actually be very happy as you go along and you're moving toward your goals, but that's not the point. The point is where you are now. You're loving life as it is now. It's helpful to me to have a goal and to move toward it, or I get a feeling of directionlessness, but doing it in this not trying very hard way is absolutely necessary for me to keep it up. So the third thing after um, don't stay focused on your goal and don't try very hard is never do all that you can, ever. So I was told, again, by the self-help books and the motivational speakers and whatnot, stay focused on your goal, try very hard and do all that you can. I took that literally. So when I would go to a gym, for example, I'd never, never thought about going to, I don't even think the modern gym was really invented when I was a kid, but as a young adult, I decided I'm going to join a gym. And to the extent that I could, I would do, I would go to every single machine in the gym and work if I had, if I wasn't in pain in that particular way, I would work those muscles to muscle failure. I would do it until my muscles were jello and I couldn't do it anymore. And I did it with every machine, every workout. And there was actually a, a trainer at the gym who came up to me one day and he wasn't my trainer. He just said, you, what are you doing? <laughs> and I said, well, I'm, I'm in the gym. This is what gyms are for, right? And he said, no, they're very specific combinations of machines you want to work with and you don't do them all every day. And you certainly don't do them to muscle failure every single time. He's like, that's actually really dangerous. You're going to injure yourself to the point where he was so worried about me. He had to like come over and stop me. And so I put up a sign 
It wasn't just for the gym. It was for everything. Never do all that you can. Always leave something in the tank. Try a little and then stop before you've done all that you can. Because it's, I used to say to myself at the gym, it's not about today's workout. It's about every day's workout. It's not about today's accomplishments. It's about every day. Persistence. Continuing. Keeping on. Keeping on. So what happens if you don't stay focused on your goal and you don't try very hard and you never do all that you can is that you start to leave yourself space to be a human, space to be a soul. When I wrote a book, I wrote a book about fitness a while ago, many, many years ago. And one of the things that I suggested was that you fill your life with rewards for doing just about anything. Like you successfully made your bed, you get a reward. You actually like held it together and were kind to your spouse, even though you were in a bad mood, get a reward. You know, like everything is about putting more reward than punishment into your schedule. So when you train an animal, if you train it with punishment, it will learn slowly, poorly, and it will want to run away from you. But if you train an animal with positive reinforcement, it's over 50 times as powerful in getting them to do what you want. And they get increasingly fond of you so that they don't run away. If you're using reward to train yourself toward whatever it is you want to do. So to keep on keeping on, you've got to fill your life with rewards. And after I wrote this book, people came up to me or wrote to me so often with the same question. How do I think of a reward? I can't think of any reward. The only reward I have is candy. So if I'm trying not to eat sugar, how, is, how can I reward myself? It kind of blew me away because for, for months and years, I had had to focus on finding ways to reward myself for things like typing for 15 minutes because it was extremely painful for me. And so I had this vast array of rewards. And I realized today as I was, I was prepping to talk to y'all, I, I never have been able to sort of classify the rewards, but I finally got it. They break down into rewards that are about detaching from other people and rewards that are about connecting with other people. So if you're an introvert like me, a reward is always to take a little time island for yourself to sit down, breathe easy, be completely alone, or maybe with just one other loved one or an animal you love, and find the things that you play with, like it, literally a, a game on your on your phone. Um, what uh, my animal YouTube fixation? Everybody knows my animal YouTube fixation. I can watch animals on YouTube till the cows come home, and I watch them coming home on YouTube. Um, though, and reading, drawing, they're all things, the music I was talking about, I need to disconnect in order to stay fueled up. But a lot of people aren't like me and they need to connect. And for that, I would suggest setting up calls with friends, like our call with South Africa was wonderful today, even though I'm an introvert. Um, watching dramas and other things that have a lot of human emotion in them that you can connect with reading things like memoir um, or people's blog posts that are very in, very personal so you feel like you're with friends, going to things like the gathering room where you know we're here together. And I love it when I see, I did a, a thing for Kripalu, which is a yoga center that I used to go to to teach and now I stay home and <laughs> teach on Zoom. 
And I use the chat function to have people answer certain questions. And even I, as an introvert, when I said, you know, write down your favorite thing to the thing you love to hear the most, and they would start writing in these hundreds of beautiful ideas for what was a, a lovely sound or whatever. I didn't ask that question, but I could. And as I started to see all the responses, it was as if the energy of these hundreds of people flowed into the room. And even I, as an introvert, felt the beauty of human beings talking to each other about what they love, about things that are positive and, and wonderful in this world that keep us, make us want to keep on keeping on. So those are my things. Never, never stay focused on your goal. Don't try hard. Never do all that you can. And either give yourself connection or disconnection as rewards all through the day, like frequently, every half hour, every whatever motivates you. And you'll find the right balance because you'll keep on keeping on and it won't even feel like a struggle. You'll feel at peace. You'll feel rewarded by the world. And in the morning you'll wake up and you'll go, all right, I want to do this again. This is fun. So that's what I have to say about that. And now I will take some questions. Hello, the lovely peoples. This is Marty, Martha, inviting you to a free masterclass that I have made called Five Paths to Your Purpose. Probably the most common question I get from people is, how do I find my purpose? Why don't I feel that I'm on purpose? Well, it turns out there are certain things you have to do to find your purpose, and I broke them down into five, and I made a little masterclass about it. So if you'd like to see it, just go to marthabeck.com slash purpose and you will be able to watch it without any charge at all. There is one from Kira here. She says, when we first find ourselves in the moment tempted to overfunction or control, what are some practical tips to help us uh, instead lean into the mystery and let the universe carry us? Oh, that's so important, Kira. Thank you for asking that. You'll know, you, first of all, you won't know it. You'll find yourself in, in control mode or over-functioning mode because it's a habit. And you'll only notice it when you start to get grumpy. But you will start to get grumpy. You will not want to keep on keeping on. You'll go, oh, this again, this world again, this day again. And that's your signal that you are in your pattern that is destructive to you. Over-control, over-functioning, whatever it is. And then the thing to do is stop take one of those breaks. So if you are an introvert, take a break to be alone and to reconnect with beauty and reconnect with harmony and anything, spiritual, physical, um, experiential, anything that brings you back into a moment where you're just in Satchitananda, just wow, wow. If you're an extrovert, connect with other people. Call your best friend, you know, go to your favorite blog writer and see what they've posted now. Um, and as you do that, as you find your own joy, that is the mystery. The mystery is the part of us that is calling to us from outside our bodies, you know, calling from the consciousness within us to the consciousness outside us, saying, join in, join in, understand that you are having this experience in a field of consciousness that is infinite and exquisite and it will light you up if you come see it. So you just, you know, 
do what brings you joy. Give yourself a little reward. Boom. There you are in the mystery. It's always there. Dr. Donna says, how do we change from the culture that insists we try hard? And how do we stop always living in the future so much so that we miss the present? So much so that we miss the present. Well, the way we stop trying hard, it's a, it's a skill most of us master. I don't think maybe Dr. Donna has ever mastered it. When you get to the point where you're trying very hard and it starts to be stressful, here's the key. You say, this is hard. I don't want to do it. I'm not going to do it as hard. There are moments. I mean, every there's an exception to every rule, including this one, right? Like everything. So there will be times when you want to try hard, when you do your absolutely all that you can, when things, you know, the stakes are high and you need to do that. But those circumstances are so rare. Most circumstances, when you're trying too hard, you're going to have diminishing returns anyway. So you'll learn that it's better to kick back after like working for 90 minutes and then resting. There's lots of good evidence on this. We have these rhythms throughout the day, working for 90 minutes and then resting for an hour and then working for 90 minutes. That's the most productive way for me to live. The culture says, keep trying all the way through. That's too hard for me because I have biological rhythms. And when I go along with them, I'm more productive. So experiment with that. You start to realize, oh, I'm actually getting more happening here when I take, when I don't try hard and then, you know, save the trying hard for the moment you have to save someone from death or something. Um, and always living in the future is just a matter of saying, like I had to physically, when I was running, turn my face and look at what was horizontal to me. And you actually can do that. Like right now, there's something I, I love, um, in the culture of the Diné people, also called the Navajo nation. There is a prayer called the Beauty Way Prayer. And I used to say it as I ran or as I took walks after I running became impossible for me. And I'd love us all to say it right together right now. So just follow along with me. It's very, very simple. And all it is is I'm going to say things and you have to find it. Okay. And it goes like this. Beauty before me. So find something beautiful that's right in front of your face beauty behind me. Find something beautiful that's behind you. I can see behind me because I'm looking in the camera. I like it at a horse. Yay. Beauty behind you. Beauty to my left. Ooh, there's trees outside. Beauty to my right. Oh, there's a philodendron. Beauty above me. I'm looking at the light fixture. It's beautiful. Shadows on the ceiling. Beauty below me. Find something. Beauty within me. Now we're just going to go through one more round again, but find it with your eyes, with your ears, okay? Beauty before me. Beauty behind me. Beauty to my left. Beauty to my right. Beauty above me. Beauty below me. Beauty within me. Say that prayer when you need to come back to the moment. Because in every moment, the one, two, three, four, five, six, seven directions are always offering beauty. Always. This always works. I've done it locked in an office cubicle and it still works. 
And you can do it without even saying the prayer, but the prayer can help. Okay, Robin says, I have a question. Are goals needed if you follow present bliss? I've only experienced this for like six months in my life 20 years ago. Do you think surrender is the hit? Yeah, I actually do believe that when you start living completely in Satchitananda, the force does things with you. The way, you know, when um, Obi-Wan Kenobi's voice says to Luke Skywalker, put away your machines, trust the force. He just like stops with everything he's trained to use and he lets his inner, the force, guide him. And so he's able to do more. He's able to do phenomenal things that he could never do if he was using all the instruments that humans had created or whatever species he was on his planet. I don't know. But yeah, when you actually trust the force, when you really let go of your own will, of your need to control and your sense that you are separate from the universe and that you're in danger, if you fall back and it's kind of like a trust fall <laughs> into the arms of consciousness, and yeah, it starts to move with you and it starts to, you, you sort of leave your body. I was talking, I did Glennon Doyle's podcast a few days ago and, and Abby Wambach, her, her wife was with her. And Abby was, if you don't know, is like the world's greatest soccer player ever. Um, maybe Pele, but Abby's my fave. And she talked about when she actually had the experience of leaving her body and watching her body play this game watching the force play this game with her body while her separate consciousness just sort of watched it. Like when you get to the point where you are really persistent, because this is about keeping on, keeping on. This is not about slacking off and doing nothing. It's about every day she got up and she practiced and she worked out and she did all the things and she stayed rested and rewarded enough to keep it up. And then she got so good that she could literally do a trust fall and the universe worked with her. That's what happens when you keep on keeping on. That's a whole nother subject that today is about how to keep on keeping on. But what you're talking about is after you've done it for a while, the goals, there is no goal. There's only Satchitananda. And then there is the sometimes the knowledge that something is going to be done with you. Like the knowledge that you're going to be taken, you're going to go someplace and do something. You're not really sure why, but the Satchitananda is taking you there and you learn to trust that sensation. And it is very different from what most people ever experience. But once you do experience it, Robin, go back for it, you know? Keep on keeping on, keep on finding beauty because that puts you in the part of your brain, the part of your psyche where you are going to find the mystery. And that's what takes over and starts setting your goals. Okay, Amy says, Martha, does life have a self-corrective force? Yes. Where is the line between manifesting goals and, and what is specifically meant for you on your path? Did I read that correctly? Line between manifesting goals and what is specifically meant for you on your path. Yeah, um, life has a self-correcting function, which is called suffering. It will never fail you. Every time you go, you stray too far from what your true self wants, you will feel uncomfortable. First, it'll be emotional, I'll feel grumpy or scared or anxious or, or whatever. Then it will be physical. You'll start to lose energy and maybe even get sick. Then you'll start to gripe. Your whole life will gradually fall apart to try to get you back into the, the stream of the life that your consciousness really wants. And manifesting a goal 
here's the interesting thing. If you are doing it from a place of integrity, which is what my last book's about, and you really are in harmony with your real self, your goals <clears throat> will only be what's meant for you because they're the only things that will appeal to you. One of the things, you know, I talk about wayfinders all the time, and I talk about people who are born to wanting to mend the hoop of the world. And I used to call it a team. And people would say, well, I want to be on the team. I don't want to have to try out and, be, and fail. And I'm like, no, no, this is a team that exists only to serve all the other teams. So wanting to be on it means you're on it. And that's the thing. Nobody would want that goal if it weren't meant for them. And nobody would want, and like Abby Wambach wouldn't have wanted to be a soccer star if it weren't meant for her. And, and her life has, has manifested that. But she had to, you know, she had to back off some of the things the world attached to that before she was really happy. But yeah, just keep, keep trusting suffering and get, go away from it. So Alora says, I'm going to put on my glasses for this. I feel like I've been easing into this way of living lately, but can't help but feel like I'm moving too slow sometimes. I know that I have to surrender, but even that isn't happening fast enough. I keep feeling overwhelmed. Does that feeling go away eventually if you never hurry, never cease? It goes away if you find the beauty in the moment. Do the beauty way prayer and you'll realize why would you want to miss the way the light strikes the trees right now just to get to the way the light strikes the trees an hour from now? Like there's always, there's always the bliss of the moment. And if you can drop into that, you'll never get tired. We have one final question. But how should we remember our goals? Check in with it once a week, once a day, not to forget it. If you've set a goal from your true self, it will manifest itself as a continuous joy in the moving forward toward it or a yearning if you start to move away from it. And it will pull you by the heart toward your goals. And anything that doesn't pull you toward by the heart isn't the goal you're supposed to be going for. So you don't have to do any of this, you guys. Suffering takes you back to the right way of keeping on, keeping on. And then being in the right way of keeping on, keeping on, being in the joyful way, is taking you toward the goals you're meant to have. And it works, so try it. N don't stay focused on your goal. Uh, don't try very hard. Never do all that you can and reward yourself constantly. And I'll see you next week to see how it went. Thank you so much for joining me here today. I love you. It's a bewildering moment to be alive. That's why Martha Beck, me, and Rowan Mangan, me, created Bewildered, the wildly successful podcast for people trying to figure it out. Most of us are trying to fit society's expectations about how we should live, which is stressful and confusing. On Bewildered, we look at topics like perfectionism, what it means to have enough, anxiety, and creativity to see where the culture may be pushing us all away from the lives that truly fulfill us. If you're bewildered, if you want to think and you love to laugh, come join us. For almost 30 years, I've been teaching people to do something that I call reading your internal compasses. I believe we are all born with direction-finding mechanisms that are inherent in us and will help us find our best destiny. 
Uh, a few years ago, though, I realized that a lot of people were getting very, very anxious. And this is true. Anxiety is going nuts all over the planet. So I spent five years researching and writing a book about how to read your compasses and lower the anxiety that's getting between you and your right life. And I'm very excited about the book. It's coming out in 2025. But I would love to teach you about it before the book comes out. So this summer, I'm doing a course called The Wayfinder's Compass, Moving Beyond Anxiety. And you can check it out by going to marthabeck.com slash compass. And we will have a fabulous time putting you on course for your North Star.